This podcast contains explicit material. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to The Joy of Text, a monthly podcast about Judaism and sexuality. Today, for a very special episode, we are so honored to be joined by Michal Birnbaum. Michal is an actor, writer, and producer born and raised in Israel. She graduated from the conservatory program of the Lee Strasberg Theater and Film Institute and was also trained at the Stella Adler Studio of Acting. Michal recently wrote, co-produced, and starred in an award-winning short film called Division Ave. Most recently, you would probably recognize her as the Kala teacher on the hit Netflix miniseries Unorthodox. Michal, we are so, so excited to have you here on the show. Thank you for hosting me. I'm happy to be here. So, you know, Michal, this film on Orthodox about this, you know, young woman who leaves, runs away from her community in her um, Zatmar community and runs away to Berlin to her mother, um, who struggling with a lot of sexual issues is kind of an unusual film. And somehow you got cast in it. Why don't you tell us the story about that and, and the role, the really unusual role that you're playing in this? So the way I, I uh, was hooked with the production is actually I made a, a film about the Hasidic community um, called Division Ave, and it's a, a connection between a Hasidic uh, homemaker and her Latina cleaning lady that she hires to clean for her for Pesach, and the cleaning lady is not getting paid by the third-party uh, cleaning agency, and how the two ladies kind of work this challenge together. Um, it's based on a true story. And, um, and when I heard that the show is happening, I, I just had to get in touch with the, with the creators, with the showrunners and, and screenwriters, Anna Winger and Alexa Karolinski. And I sent them a, a scene in Yiddish from my film and they loved it. And, uh, mm. and that's how I got to be the college teacher, which is, which was very, wow. um, surprising to me you know usually here's an inside information from the show business you often are not told what character you're auditioning for and Mm -hmm. so I auditioned for something um completely different and and then I I got an email from the director Maria Schrader saying we want you to be the Kala teacher and that was uh (laughs) that was a huge surprise for me because um, stereotypically, it's an older lady. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> and then I read the script, and I realized it's it's gonna be some kind of a comic relief in the show. And I was I was very happy about it. And I thought it was it's it's great. It's great to show just almost like a peer to the young to the young Kala that she kind of shares her um, experience with her and, and brings her into the world of, of a, being a married woman. And so I really like what they did with this role and, and the, the turn that they took. I, I thought it was great. Huh. That's awesome. Tell us a little bit about the Yiddish. Uh, did you have to learn it? Is it a native language? Did you just learn the lines you needed to? Right. I, I did grow up in Bnei Brak. I, I did grow up hearing lots of Yiddish. Um, mm-hmm. I, I never, you know, spoke it as a second language. Um, working on, on my film, Division Ave, I, I started learning it. And um, and for for unorthodox, you know, it's also a very, very specific accent. So for unorthodox, I did have... 
Uh, I studied with uh, Frida Wiesel. She was my uh, my coach. And also Ellie Rosen, who's the Yiddish consultant and the rabbi hmm. on the show. To, he kind of made sure that we all sounded, you know, just the same or, or around hmm. where everyone hmm. should be. So, yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah. I was also wondering about the kind of like mix of Yiddish with like a little bit of English interspersed in there in the role. Like I, I, I kind of felt like like your part in particular had a little bit more of that English Yiddish mix. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and I loved it because because it's it's exactly what it sounds like. I mean, I, when you when you interact with with the, the Hasidic uh, community in in Brooklyn and Williamsburg, that's exactly how people speak. It's 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 just a very very specific Yiddish. You, you won't hear it anywhere else. Yiddish sounds different in, in different parts of the world, and yeah, I I, I loved it. Um, it's it's. I think it's there's a misconception maybe of, of the community sometimes and and how how they use the the English language. Also, I think women speak a little more English than the men. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought it was really brilliant the way mm-hmm. they did it in the show. Mm-hmm. Wow. So how did you prepare for the college teacher part of the role? Uh, I met with uh, several people in the community and also people who, who left the community, you know, the people from the community couldn't really, it was all a kind of like undercover, <laughs> um, secretive uh, situation. And also, um, also I, I started thinking what would, what, what was my college teacher experience like as the character? Like um, how was she instructed and maybe she felt like she wanted to do something a little different with her students, um, just, you know, create a little bit of backstory for myself. She's just a person uh, and she teaches her like a, like she's a little dumb, but just a little bit, you know, um, just like teachers are, you know, they're a little condescending, but she needs to be graphic because it's it's all new stuff. Uh, so she's using props and she's using her hands and yeah. And I, I also wanted to, to just have fun with it. Huh. So how many days, like we know the column parts, like it occurred to me in an earlier conversation that you, you didn't meet all the other actors because people were brought in for different days for different shoots of different scenes, which obviously now that I'm thinking about it makes sense. Um, how many days were you actually in Berlin? Did you shoot in Berlin or you shot in New York? Yeah, my scenes were in Berlin. So how many days did you shoot for that? Um, well, I was there for about two weeks for, for the process, but oh I God. only okay. filmed two days. Mm-hmm. So this is so, this is pretty unusual. It's it's a very special project, also in that sense. I guess maybe not a lot of people realize it's it, the we treated this project like a film rather than a TV show. In TV shows, everything is quick. You get the text the day of. You 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 go on location. You shoot. But here, because it was almost like a historical piece, they have to to think of all the you know the different outfits and and the hair and makeup. It was and so there were a lot of rehe- rehearsals. Usually for tv you don't rehearse we had rehearsal days which was Mm. amazing um and so that's why it was a a longer process for me wow and how did how did it turn out that it was treated like a historical piece rather than like you know a soap opera it's well it's it's the technical and artistic aspects that you have to i mean you know they created this this that the home yeah a day before my scene we had they had to make calls to bring more safarium, 
you know, to fill it. <laughs> it's just, it's all these things. You, you, you have to treat it like a film because it's not like, uh, I don't know, CSI, you know, you go to, the, you go to New York, you shoot. No, it's, it's, you have to think of all the little details the the China, the, the, whatever, the serving, the utensils that we use, um, everything, the sheets in their bedroom, they're very, very specific. Um, so that, that required, you know, trips to New York from, from the crew, from the artistic team and, um, shopping, figuring out where to get all this stuff. I mean, some of that was, if you watch at the very end of the show, there's a, a 10 minute or 20 minute making of Unorthodox, which was so well done. I really highly recommend watching it. It was so well done. And it just showed you like how they got the strimals and like how they made the payers for all the men. Um, but um, I guess I'm more surprised the fact that TV shows don't do that because they also have very specific sets. So that's why, you know, it's yeah. interesting to me. But this definitely felt more more like a film than a TV show. Like, I think all of us, like, kind of unconsciously have been calling it, like, right. yeah. Well, movie, it has one right, narrative like, arc, you know? There's a, yeah, so, yeah right. exactly. Um, I was actually going to ask you another question about your character, which is, um, like, what did you feel like like the character really got, got right? You know, like, obviously, the, the backdrop here is a community that has a lot less sex education than maybe a lot of our listeners are used to, but kind of with that backdrop in mind, what did you feel about the character? Like, what did she do right? What did she do wrong? Well, she's she's had this conversation many times before. So I think by the time she gets to Esty, she already knows how to not make it too embarrassing or just to... It's it's very straightforward. She's just it's almost like a I'm sorry to say like a m- manual for for a machine, and so for her it's it's just you know it's it's technical and and you see it later on in in uh, the relationship between them that it's all very very technical. But there's just these parts of a puzzle that go together, <laughs> and you put this in this, and and that's it. Um, to say that that's what she got right, I don't know. But at least, again, from stories that I'm, I'm hearing from from family and from friends in the community, sometimes they don't even get that. So right. because everything right. is like codes, <laughs> you don't use actual words. Yeah, I I was also gonna gonna ask you about the instruction for for Esty to uh, to actually go into the bathroom and find her own vagina, um, which is I thought was like interestingly like progressive for that kind of character actually right I think that's why that's part of the of the choice to make her to make her younger like my character still remembers the day when she found out she also didn't know maybe you know um and maybe older uh college teacher kind of like it's so obvious to her she (laughs) she doesn't Mm -hmm. even um remember what it's like to not know about this Extra hole. I'll tell you my, you know, my reaction when I watched it was like, was like, I can't believe how frank and progressive this is. Like talking about these things without any codes, without any, you know, um, energy that feels that it's uncomfortable, just very clinically. 
uh, you know, describing all the things that had to get done, and in particular, the whole issue around vaginismus and having that word, knowing that word, knowing how to talk to her about what to do. So, but then I was talking to my wife about it, and she said, oh, it was horrific. I said, what do you mean it was horrific? She said, you know, it was all just mechanical. There was nothing about romance. There was nothing about what the real relationship is about. So it was interesting that we came away with that and that both of those are true, I think. Right, because yes, okay, I'm, I'm addressing the, the vaginismus. At the same time, I'm just part of this machine who puts all this pressure on her to have kids. So, okay, like no time for romance, you know, like have your mm-hmm. first baby. Maybe we can talk about rom- romance there. Then, I don't know. And when we do talk about pleasure, mm-hmm. it's only mm-hmm. the man, the man's pleasure. Because I think also me as a college teacher, I'm, I'm kind of uh, assuming that that maybe the problem is with him too. Um, so I'm like, okay, you, sh- you should, you know, pleasure him so things work and then and then maybe it'll it'll work. Like I'm not, I don't know who's struggling with what. It's kind of like mm-hmm. I'm coming and I'm giving her all these options. Okay, maybe it's this, maybe it's this, go, mm-hmm. try it. <laughs> you know, it's so interesting because when I read Deborah Feldman's book, which maybe five years ago, I don't know when that book came out and I read about the character, they never used the word vaginismus. I remember that because I was like, oh my God, the character has vaginismus and it's not addressed. And then when the movie came out, they went right for the vaginismus, right? They, you went right at it, which I thought was amazing. Look, as somebody who's dealing with people with this all the time, I couldn't, I almost wanted to jump out of my chair and yell hooray because somebody, you know, but it was then portrayed so like, Clutzily, it was handled so clutzily. So I'm just curious what you've heard about that. Have people? I'm sure people have talked to you about that because I'm getting people talk to me about it. And you know, you're you're the college teacher, <laughs> right? Um, first of all, I'm I'm so happy. I have to say, even before uh, unorthodox, it is addressed more and more. Um, it's uh, I don't know if you probably you watched the show uh, Sex Education on Netflix. I love that show. Yes. And also uh, Big Mouth, also on Netflix. It's also uh, addressed there. Um, so, yes, it's pretty bad. I mean, if someone hears about it for the first time on Unorthodox, that's pretty n- not encouraging. Um, at the same time, I do think that that this is how women who suffer from it feel and this is it's like oh so many doctors are like oh just drink wine oh just relax oh take a deep breath exactly um so so i think it's a pretty accurate portrayal of of what you would feel if you if you suffered from it and then but again, if you watch the show and at least you hear the word vagin, it was for the first time, at least you're able to Google it and maybe then uh, pick up the phone and call you. Uh, Would you, do you have any sense about whether this term is used in the Satmar community by college teachers or is it, you know, or, I mean, they might know of the problem, but do they, would they actually name it like this? I'm sure, uh, I'm sure y- younger college teachers definitely know about it because it, it also it makes a lot of sense that um, they they uh, teach women who are sexually active for the first time and and especially in a community where uh, there's not a lot of emphasis or expectations of, of pleasure whatsoever it makes sense that a lot of women would suffer from it mm-hmm. and yes I, I believe it it's it totally um, makes sense that they at least some people know about it already, but maybe your experience is different. <laughs> I don't have experience oh. with college teachers yeah. in uh, Satmar. So. Yeah, no. Uh, so, the, so they do, but the problem is that the women don't necessarily go back to the college teachers. What's so mm. interesting? The the other thing that was fascinating was somebody was like, "I can't believe that mother-in-law was so invasive." 
And I cannot tell you how, one of the things that hits us all the time is how borderless, the, like sometimes the women come in and with all well-meaning, the whole family's involved in their vagina. Like it's just, it's crazy. So I, I thought that was brilliantly portrayed actually, the mother-in-law. I think it makes a lot of sense that she did go to a doctor and they were useless. So <laughs> to me, it makes a lot of sense that she would actually go back to the college teacher. It's it's because as Esty, she doesn't necessarily think it's an it's a medical issue. You know, uh, right. she doesn't know what issue this is. Maybe she they don't know what right. goes where or I don't know. So she goes back to the college teacher. That makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So this might be a little outside your role, your character, but you know what? In this context, thinking about the scene where they're having sex. Um, and that they really make a point that he's wearing, not only is he in his pajamas, he's wearing his tzitzis and the whole thing. Do you have a sense if that's uh, realistic or not, a realistic portrayal? I think it's, it's realistic, in le at least for some parts of the community, and there there definitely been a crit critic for the show saying, no, that's not how it's in my community, that's not how it is. Um, so... Again, this is this is Deborah's story. That's her mm. experience, and she uh, she trusted the the creators of the show with with her story. And I, yeah, I I do think it happens like this at least in in some homes, and then in wow. other homes it can mm -hmm. be different. I've heard so many different things. I'm just curious how the show in general, you in particular, have you gotten pushback about the way it's portrayed the Haredi community, both in terms of yes, this is perfect, this is exactly what I experienced, or this is terrible. You're painting us all black. We got all these responses, and I'll tell you even more. We got responses saying, you were too nice. My experience was worse than Deborah's. This is, you didn't show this, and you didn't show that. So, yeah, it's it's a variety. We got lots of different um, responses. But I have to tell you that overall, because I was pretty nervous before it came out, and overall, I, I'm pretty shocked mm. at how positively it was received. Oh, that's great. That's so great. What was the hardest thing for you about about playing this particular role? That's a good question. Um, not making Yiddish sound old. <laughs> mm -hmm. Just like, this is how I speak. This is every day. Uh, yeah. Um, just being people, being being. You know, okay, it's it's we have all these layers. Okay, they're from, they're New Yorkers, they're this, they're that, but they're also just people, just a regular person. This is how I speak to my students when I used to teach, or um, you know, a first grader. Like that's how I speak to you, a little slow with with hand motion, so you understand. And that's just. It's not because I'm from, and it's not because I'm from Williamsburg. I'm just a person, and I'm just a teacher. So uh, that helped. <laughs> so when we were still walking on the streets, did anybody ever stop you on the street and say, aren't you that college teacher from from Orthodoxy? I don't think we've been walking on the streets since it came out. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, maybe. Maybe that will happen one day. Uh, right now, we're all we're all <laughs> look totally different. You There's not even, with that tich, with that... <laughs> No, that's not happening, though. <laughs> I got the opposite responses. I, I got people saying, I didn't know it was you. <laughs> I, I'm like, we're Facebook friends, and I realized that I watched you, and I, I, I know you in real life. I, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't recognize you. So, yeah, I get a lot of that. <laughs> that's so amazing. Um, I was going to ask you, as a 
Jewish woman yourself, if you didn't personally identify with the sort of like sexually repressive type of ethic that was portrayed in in the show, like how did how did it feel for you to be portraying this kind of like like a sexual education like gatekeeper type of figure in the show? Um, how how can you? I mean, of course, I I. I disagree with this lifestyle. I mean, I think people should be able to explore uh, and definitely not hear about this right before uh, getting married. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm an actor. So I, I, in every character I play, I just, I find ways to, to make her my own, to make her myself and just find ways in, in myself to, to be her. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, for me, it's, it's fun. I, I did not, I don't, the whole, if I agree with the whole concept of the show and, and the, what the show is here to say, then I, I have no problem playing the, you know, the devil's <laughs> advocate. I have no problem with that. Right. Is, have you played similar roles? Well, I played a, a Hasidic woman, but completely different woman um, in my short Division Av. By the way, where can we find Division Av? Can you tell people? Division Av is is now recently released and is available for everyone to watch for free oh, wow. on Vimeo. That's so exciting. Yeah, that you were the producer, the director? I wrote it and produced it. I'm in it. I did right. not direct it. Tamar Glazerman directed it. Um... And what other roles have you loved that you've I'm, played? I love theater. That's why I'm in New York and not in L.A. Um, so favorite characters, Sonia from Uncle Vanya and Chekhov. Uh, <laughs> that's, she, she's my girl. I love her. Oh, cool. Um, we also did the Dibbuk. Mm. So I did Leia. Um, What's your dream role? What, which is the role you would most want to play? My dream role, I think maybe in 20 years, I'll be able to play Mother Courage. Uh, Brecht. <laughs> Until I get to there, I think. I think for years, I kind of, I kind of, um, I was afraid of comedy. I want to be like a very serious actress. Mm-hmm. But I think with with unorthodox, I'm thinking uh, <laughs> maybe being a, a comic, you know, comical actor is is actually. Mm-hmm has a lot of depth in it it's not mm. it's not just telling jokes there's there's a lot to it <laughs> you know I have to say I'm so glad you said that because I found the Kala teacher sort of charming funny charming sweet funny charming those would be you know and I thought like was I being ridiculous that I was feeling that way like but you're right you played her with a little bit of a funny edge but it was just a little of a tinge but did you guys Sarah and Dove or did you have different reactions I personally had had exactly that yeah. that that response as well. I felt like it was it like like I I found myself just like smiling throughout those scenes, mm-hmm. even even though there was something like painful about it also, because it's like ooh like this is the only thing she's hearing before her wedding, and like that's like like a little bit of a of a painful thing to watch. But at the same time, like I I couldn't stop like smiling. Yeah, I'm there too. Exactly yeah. the same reaction. So you, you you nailed it is the bottom line. If that's what you were going for, you totally nailed well, it. You like so, that. And you should go into comedy. So um, do you feel like um, doing the Yiddish is going to end up sort of um, stereotyping you or pigeonholing you into a certain place or that's fine or not really? I'm not worried about that at all. I'm happy 
I'm happy to play all characters, and and you know, different Hasidic people are different people. It's not like if I'm playing another Hasidic uh, woman, she's gonna be the same person. They have personality too under the tichel, you know. So yeah, I'm not. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you so much, Michal. This was really terrific. Thank really you. Terrific. How do people follow you on social media, or wherever you want to be followed? I'm on Instagram, Michal Burnbaum. One word? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and answering all our questions. This is really amazing. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thank you so much to our guest, Michal Birnbaum. This episode of The Joy of Text was recorded via Zoom, was produced and edited by Max Hollander, and is a project of the Lindenbaum Center at YCT. If you have any questions or comments you'd like to share with us, you can do so anonymously at www.thejoyoftext.org. The Joy of Text is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, or any podcast app. If you like what you hear, show us your support by giving us a five-star rating and stay up to date with our latest episodes and live events by following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. 